All right. So as you know, we're a five-year-old church, and we have overseers of this church. We don't, I don't do anything out on my own because God's a God who covers. You want to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You want to have people in your life that cover you, that are your friends in ministry. And this is about one of the longest-term friends I have. So way back in the 90s, a 16-year-old kid stumbled into family life, church in Lafayette, where the youth pastor was Terry Darnell, and many, many years later, uh, he planted a church in Sugarland that's uh, 20 years old. I worked for him, Sugarland, Texas, and I worked for him right out of college for five years, and we've been friends, and uh, he's done, raised his kids. He came with his wife this week and did a parenting conference for us. Praise God, many of you went to that. And he's one of our overseers and just a friend, a faithful guy in the ministry. So Terry Darnell is our guest speaker this morning. Come up, Terry. Give him a hand. And as I told him and I told y'all, he's known me since I was 16. So any stories about me, they're most probably not true. Remember, they're not, they're not true. (laughs) Only are they true, they're worse than I probably would tell them. All right. Um. Let me get, can I get a napkin real quick? Yeah, we got spill in it. There we go. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. There we go. I use paper. There we go. I didn't know if that was the anointing or water. So, hey, one time uh, we've been going for a long time and, and I don't know, probably seven or eight years. We had our first building done, and I, I went there. I would go there early in the morning to pray on Sundays, you know, 7 a.m. Like this morning, I didn't know what to do. I still was up at 3.45 a.m., and I didn't have keys to the church, so I just stayed in the hotel room, you know. Uh, but I, went, I was in there praying, and, and uh, we had concrete floors, and I just started seeing there were oil droplets everywhere. Oil was everywhere. And I'm like, man, it's the Shekinah glory of God, you know. We, I prayed it down, and there, the, the, surely great things going to happen. And so we had a pretty powerful service, I felt like. And afterwards, the janitor said, man, Terry, I walked in there last night and it stank, so I, I set off a, a scent bomb. <laughs> so there was scent bomb all over. It wasn't God. But you know what? It gave me faith that something would happen. Sometimes all we need is faith, right? Well, we're so glad to be here. Uh, and uh, I have, we have some, I have some books out there in the, in the lobby, and I wrote a book on parenting this last year. And uh, now that my kids are out of the house and, and just we, this generation today, so many, there's so many young parents and they want to raise good kids. They don't know how. And uh, so this is my effort to try to help somebody. So uh, you may not even have kids. Your kids may all be grown, uh, but you can, maybe you know some young parents, you want to uh, pick up a book for them. It's on Amazon. You can get a digital form on Amazon, and that's actually the cheapest way to get the book. I think it's $9 on Amazon to get the digital copy. But uh, we're happy to be here, and I just wanted to encourage you. I wanted to encourage you this morning. I really want to encourage uh, Stephen and Megan. And, you know, we, we started family life uh, with two people in our home a little over 20 years ago, about 20 and a half years ago. And and uh, it was the funniest thing. I'm just going around inviting people to our house. And we actually had like, I don't know, 10 or 12 people come. And later my wife said, I just can't believe people actually came to our house. You're inviting strangers. I mean, we don't know if they're perverts. We don't know, you know, we don't know what they are. I mean, you're just inviting all these people, uh, you know, to our house. And so it was, it was humble beginnings. And, you know, we, we've never grown fast. We're just one family at a time. And we're probably approaching 500 people now. 
uh, God's given us land, and we built our second building a couple of years ago. And um, I, I just want to encourage you, you know, uh, in Houston, I, we started this church. I mean, there's Lakewood, there's all these, all these mega churches, and, and, um, but I think there's something special about churches that aren't so huge, where you can actually know somebody's name, where you can actually make a difference. And, uh, you know, I have nothing against large churches. Uh, our church is continuing to grow, and maybe we'll be a large church one day. But, you know, I never, at Family Life, I never want, I never want people to just to come and do nothing. They can do that. But church is about coming, serving, giving, supporting the church. And, and uh, so, you know, I know here you have a, an opportunity, uh, you know, to do that. And I just want to encourage you. It's kind of when you start a church, it's kind of like, um, I, if you want to give it a, an analogy, kind of like D-Day. You know, we, we had to, our troops had to get from the boats up to the shore. And many died. Many died before they got to the beach. And, um, you know, many churches don't survive the launch. They don't make it. 80% don't make it. And so, but then once you get on the beach, the beach is still a dangerous place because you don't have cover. And you have to get on the land and, and get under fortification. And so uh, the next phase for this church, and it's going to take a lot of effort, prayer. It's going to take sacrifice is, you know, eventually one day you need your own land, you need your own building uh, so that you can do a lot of the things that you can't do uh, in, a t in a temporary building. And so here's what I know, and I want to encourage you in this. Uh, we, I would, could tell you a lot of stories, but I know that y'all eventually want to go to lunch one day, so I'm trying to limit what I do. But the bottom line is when we finally got some land and, and, and started to, you know, we had to raise money to do that. Uh, we didn't have very many people. We probably had about, about as many as in here today. And what happened is God started blessing people in our congregation with abundance, with more. And, and I told him, listen, God's going to start blessing you. Just remember, you get an extra bonus you didn't know about. Just think about this. Maybe God's giving you that to help build the kingdom and not just all for you. You know, I had, I had one guy in my church and uh, he actually made very good money, and he get all these big bonuses, and he get a twenty thousand dollar bonus. And he told me, uh, he's like, "Yeah, I don't tell my wife." I was like, "You don't tell your wife?" He's like, "No, she'll spend it, you know." So uh, he had all kind of money, but his wife just didn't know, you know. I was like, "Well, that's that's kind of brave." Uh, I want to talk to you this morning about about divine appointments, and I've never I've never shared this message before, but the Lord uh, put it on my heart. And here's the bottom line. As we travel through our journey, I believe that God has some preordained, predestined, divine appointments lined up for us. And uh, there are strategic opportunities uh, for us to meet certain people in life. And these divine appointments, they have the ability to change the direction of our life. They have the ability to fundamentally transform the course of our lives and, and uh Basically, a divine appointment uh, takes place when we're sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're going through life, and the Holy Spirit prompts something within us to talk with somebody, to meet somebody, to call somebody. And uh, so that's what a divine appointment is, when we obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. Most people, most people, most Christians walk right by divine appointments. 
Because they always come at a time when they're inconvenient. They always come at a time when you're busy. And sometimes the divine appointment isn't somebody you really care to talk to. Have you ever seen somebody and you're like, I'm not even really sure I like them. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, you know, I want you to go up and talk to them. But I don't even know if I like them, Lord, you know. Have you ever, I'm the only one honest one in here this morning. Come on now, come on now. Um, and so these divine appointments in Psalms 37, 23, it says this. The steps of, a, of good men are directed by the Lord, and he delights in each step they take. And so uh, if you just want to paraphrase that, it basically says that God directs the steps of all of his children. All of his children. God has direct, a directed course, a directed path for you to take. And here's the amazing thing. You know, from the beginning of creation, God knew who would be here right now, and he knew that I would be speaking here. From the creation, before the creation, the foundation of the earth, God knew the things that would happen. And so the amazing thing is, if we have a divine appointment when we're, when we're 15 or 50 or 70 or however old we are, God has had that strategically planned in our life all along. And it's just amazing that God loves us so much that he puts these divine opportunities in our lives. And I said that many people walk right by them. They don't stop. I'll tell you a story. Probably about 15 years ago, uh, my son Ty was having severe, some severe stomach issues, and we, we spent a bunch of time, and we spent a whole year at the hospital trying to figure out what was wrong with him, and they figured out what was wrong with him, but they couldn't, they couldn't correct it, so one day he had to have some blood drawn, so they sent, they sent us, they said, y'all need to take him to this clinic, get his blood drawn, do some blood work, and so that day I took Ty, and I'll, I'll never forget this, we're in a little waiting room, and it's me and my son, Ty, and there's a, I don't know, maybe a young college student, a female, maybe she's 20 years old, and she, we're the only ones in the room, a little waiting room, and uh, she, you know, it's very obviously that, that she's distraught. I mean, she, she's crying, and it was, it was the kind of crying where you're kind of trying not to cry, but your whole body is kind of is kind of convulsing a little bit. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit said, Terry, go talk to that girl and pray for her. And, you know, I, I said, oh, she wants her privacy, <laughs> right? She wants her privacy. And then I said, well, I don't need to be talking to another girl over, you know, this. I made so many excuses, but we're in a public place with my son there, with the secretary right there look, looking at all of our business. And, and uh, I have regret because that day I didn't, I didn't, it was a simple request. Just go talk to her and ask if you can pray for her. If she says no, you're off the hook. And that, that day I didn't do that. And I wonder, I wonder, man, what would have happened? Maybe she'd have given her life to the Lord that day. Maybe she was pregnant. I, I don't know what the situation was, but but that divine appointment could have really encouraged her. So what happened is I left there that day, and I started thinking about it as, as time went on. And what, what happened is I asked God, God, open my spiritual eyes so I can see more. Open my spiritual eyes so I can actually sense and see your divine appointments. And to the best of my knowledge, I have never missed a divine appointment since that day. Now, I've done, some I've done some pretty crazy things, and I've put myself out there, and sometimes I thought it was a, di a divine appointment. The other person said, leave me alone, you know? But, uh, but anyway, 
uh, I would rather, I'd rather, I don't want to be cautious with divine appointments. And, and once you start obeying them, they, they really become very easy to, to see. They, it just becomes really easy. Um, you know, it's like riding a bike. Once you ride your bike, you get better and better at it. And once you start obeying God and open these doors and going through these divine appointments, um, it just gets easier. So I'm going to talk about divine appointments. And, and there's basically divine appointments have three main benefits in our lives. And, of course, you can go through the Bible. Uh, there's, there's probably a, a hundred divine encounters in, in the Bible where God's people lined up with, with certain people. But first of all, the first thing is this. Divine, uh, sometimes divine appointments are specifically designed for us. Sometimes divine appointments, their, their intention is to encourage, uplift, and build our faith. And so God sends people in our lives when we're low, when we're discouraged, when we're having a hard time, when our faith is challenged, God will send somebody into our life to speak life into us. And so that's the first divine appointment. God sends somebody uh, to be a blessing to us. And when we had started, we, we moved to Sugarland to start Family Life Church, and we hadn't even had our first service yet. And I remember we, we had this cable guy came over to our house and and uh, he's working, you know, he's hooking up cable or something like that, the internet force, whatever it was. And he said, um, so we started talking, and I told him what I was going to do. You know, hey, I'm here, I'm moving here, and I'm starting a you know, non-denominational church, this and that. And I really was inviting him to come. And he's like, oh, I go to Second Baptist, which has thousands of people, thousands of people. And he, he turned to me and says, you know, every successful church started with humble beginnings. And, and like that just, that, that really just hit me right here. And so several months later when we were starting and we were struggling and people weren't coming and I'm doing, I'm preaching to only my family, you know, things like that. I'm like, hey, you doesn't get more humble than this right here. Humble pie. But, but that was for me. That was just for me. God sent him for me to do that. And, and God does that. God sends people for us. I was thinking um, when we, we had first started our church, you know, we moved there. We didn't have any members. And so one of my past friends said, do anything you can to meet people because you don't know anyone in the area. And uh, so next door to us, this guy moved in, this guy, this family moved in. They were and they were, uh, you know, moving all their furniture in. And the, I noticed that they, it was just him and his father. And so I went over there and said, hey, can I help you unload your U-Haul truck? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, 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 the movers didn't show up. And so, you know, I started helping him move in. And so we started up a conversation. And I said, hey, so by the way, why did you move here? Did you move here for work? And he, his name was Ed. Ed smiled and says, we moved here to start a non-denominational church. <laughs> I said, my gosh, I'm helping the enemy, you know. I'm helping, <laughs> I'm helping the competition, you know. And so I said, oh, okay, okay, okay. And so I just helped, I, I, did, I finished, I helped him carry all of that. And do you know, do you know that uh, he, he wasn't the pastor, he was just coming to help a pastor. And the pastor that was supposed to move down to, for, for their church plant didn't move. And we had gone back, we, we mapped it later, and we had been in the same city at the same, you know, same areas at the same time down here. We had tried to buy another, we had both been bidding on another house in the block, and neither one of us got it. If we would have not moved right next to each other, if he had to move one street over, if I had to move one street over, 
I would have never met him. Ed and Tammy helped us for 10 years. He led worship for us. He became an elder in the church. He led children's church. Ed did anything. He did anything uh, that, that, you know, that was possible. And uh, that divine appointment, just going over there and offering to help him unload his furniture, proved to be such a blessing to us. I'll tell one more. I could, I could tell hundreds of stories of how of divine appointments that were for me. God sent someone to me to call me. Maybe you're having a bad day and someone just calls you you haven't talked to in a long time and they just begin to encourage you. So one day, one day we, um, we were having service and, and as a pastor, my, I always hated fit the 15 minutes before service. I always hated that because you know, no one's there 15 minutes early and you're fixing to see how the day is going to go, you know. And even even today, I mean, we have hundreds of people, but I have a window out over the parking lot. And Tracy comes in there before service and I'm hiding behind my screen looking. Oh, well, they they only come once every six weeks. This is going to be a good day. They're all coming today, you know. Um, but we started church. and It was one of those days. It was a holiday weekend. I think we had 15 people in service. I mean, total 15 people. And my next door neighbor came. My next door neighbors, husband and wife, they came to church. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, Lord, why didn't you bring them on a good day? You know, why didn't you bring them with some people who are here? So I'm up here speaking, and I'm thinking, you know, if I were them, I would never come back. That's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, man of God, right? And after service, they left, and she came, she's my next door neighbor. She came and knocked on my door. She said, Terry, that is the first time in my life I have ever enjoyed church. I say, yeah, we have a great church. It's a great church, great church. And she's like, you know, I was forced to go to church my whole life, and no one liked going. She's like, I saw the little kids running by, and they had smiles. I've never seen kids smile in church before. <laughs> and she was raised in a traditional church. But anyway, I was like, man. So, you know, I turned, I went inside, I'm like, man, this really might work, you know. It really might work. But that God sends people just like that. And the, the, that, the, those divine appointments I talked about, their sole purpose was to encourage me, to uplift me, to build my faith. The second kind of, of divine appointment, sometimes they are specifically designed for other people, for other people. And, you know, here, we have a problem in Christianity today. We have a problem in the church today. And the problem is Christians only think about themselves. God did not save you just to have your socks blessed off. Go all the way back to Abraham. I'm going to bless you what? So you can be a blessing. We're, we're supposed to receive blessings, but they need to flow through us to other people. So sometimes the purpose of divine appointments is to encourage, uplift, and build the faith of another person that God is telling us to reach out to. And, you know, sometimes these divine appointments are just one time, a one-time meeting or conversation at other times, uh, they develop into long-term partnerships. But I cannot tell you how many people I've met during the course of my life who I just encouraged them, I prayed for them, and I've never seen them again. Hundreds of people. And, but that was God's plan for that day. They needed to be encouraged. They needed to be uplifted. It wasn't, it wasn't my divine appointment. My divine appointment was to bless them. And, you know, when, you, when your divine appointment blesses someone else, it still makes you feel good. You feel encouraged. You feel encouraged when you walk up to somebody and say, hey, no, can, can I pray with you? And they're like, like, man, that would be so good. I've had such a terrible day. And they just start, they just start you know, unloading this stuff. Let me show you one of these in the Bible. It's found in Acts, 20, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. 
through 39, and it's the story of Philip meeting an Ethiopian eunuch, and it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the candidate. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip uh, to come up and and to sit with him. And uh, this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For, for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, uh, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very message of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went into the water, and Philip baptized him. And uh, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him, but went on his way rejoicing. So, this divine appointment, you know, God took Philip to this eunuch, and obviously he was a very important man. He had a very noble position, and, and he shared the gospel with him, baptized him, then he's taken away. And, you know, that divine appointment was to give clarity and insight and revelation to this, to this important official. But the, we don't know what happens the rest of the story, but we know he went away rejoicing. We know that, that the, this divine appointment revelation he got then when he went home, he was going to be he was going to be able to share it to others. So, uh, you know, one divine appointment when we bless somebody else, uh, it has like a domino effect and it can go and bless bless someone else. And so we all like divine appointments that are for us, divine appointments that encourage our faith and inspire us. But some of our div- divine appointments are directed to help other people solely for their benefit. And um, then the third divine appointment is this, and this is. This is the top divine appointment. Sometimes their divine appointments are designed to build the kingdom of God. And these are the best kind. When the kingdom of God is expanding, growing, and thriving, it blesses us, it blesses other people, and it pleases God. And so I want to tell you about a divine appointment I had about 10 years ago. Um, 10 years ago, we were, we, were, we were in church, and we had a lady from India come and visit, visit our church. And and I, you know, I had never seen her before. I had never talked to her before. And I couldn't even talk to her because she didn't speak English. I mean, all she did was speak, uh, you know, her uh, Hindi. And so we have a lady in our church who speaks that language. So she was interpreting for me, but I wasn't sure that the interpretation was correct. Have you ever had someone interpreting for you? I'm like, I don't think you're saying what I'm saying, you know. But anyway, so I met her. I didn't think anything about it. And so uh, she left the church and, and, uh, so about a month later, I get, I get a formal invitation, this big thing in the mail, this formal invitation 
to come to their ministry in northern India, way up by the Nepal border. And they were having a Bible college graduation. And, and I was supposed to lead the Bible college. They asked me to lead the Bible college graduation and to do a, a pastor's conference for all their leaders. And uh, again, I've never met these people before. And, and so I, I get a map out and I look where this is at. And I'm like, my goodness, this is in the middle of nowhere. I'm like literally in the middle of nowhere. So I went home and Trace and I were talking that evening. I said, hey, I said, remember that lady that came last month? Well, her husband sent me an invitation, a formal invitation to come into this crusade. I don't know what it is, Bible college graduation in, in northern India. And she said, are you going? I was like, no, I'm not going. That's in the middle of nowhere. No, I'm not going. And I laughed about it. Well, I didn't sleep that night. I didn't sleep that night. I didn't sleep the next night. I didn't sleep the third night. I'm like, this is ridiculous, you know. And I said, okay, God, what do you, he said, why did you say no before you even asked me? Because I knew that you would probably tell me to go. That's why. <laughs> why do we disobey the Lord? Because we know that he's better than we are, right? He's not selfish. And, and so anyway, so I, I called him. I said, okay, I will go. I'll go. And um, then Tracy's like, you can't go by yourself. I, I forbid you to go by yourself. We don't even know these people. That's in a dangerous place. And so I, I took two other guys with me from our church. One of our elders, actually two of our elders, they went with me. And um, so anyway, we, end up, we ended up going up there, and, and, and we got there, and we came off the plane. And the, Peter and Ed, they said, well, how, you've never met this guy. How, do you, how, do, how, how are we going to know him? I'm like, we're three white guys walking off a plane in, you know, in New Delhi, no, in Lucknow. I mean, I don't think we're going to be hard to spot. I don't, I mean, and sure enough, he came up and greeted us and was hugging us and, and crying and so forth. And uh, so I, we went, we went to, uh, went to his, his place and, and basically this man, if you know much about India, southern India, the state of Kerala, had a reformation in 1854. So in Kerala, all the way to southern India, it's, it's a high percent Christian. And there's even some, a lot of Marathoma churches, Indian churches here uh, in the States, especially in Sugar Land in the area. And uh, he said, so he said, Pastor, I had properties in southern India in Kerala. I sold everything I had, sold everything I had. And I came up here and I bought this, this headquarters here. Uh, here in, in northern India because it's 0.03% uh, Christian. It's all, it's all Hindu, Sikh, and a few Muslims. And, and I, so I'm like, here I am, this guy. He's like, man, he, he, he cashed everything he had in, everything, and he went up there. And, and the conditions weren't good. And then I also learned during, the, during that week that, uh, that he had three children and two of them died. And one of them, his five-year-old girl died, and, his, and later on, an 18-month-old son died. And they died simply because when he was going to do the work of the Lord, he, I mean, they, he was out there, and it got very difficult. He's in, living in one room in the winter, the roof's leaking. His daughter got pneumonia. He didn't have money to take him to a clinic. And, you know, in a lot of places in the world, like, we're, we're very fortunate here. I don't care what anyone says. If you're sick, you can go to a clinic. You can go to a hospital. They have to serve you. He said, well, you have a bill. Yeah, but you're alive. Okay, and, and so he watched two of his kids die, and, and I was just like, I told Ed and, Ed and Peter, I was like, man, I, I can't take much more of this, you know? It's, what's he trying to do? You want my wallet? What do you want, you know? And uh, 
I said, Joseph, his name is Joseph. Joseph, what do you want? What do you want? Why'd you bring me here? He said, Pastor, he said, uh, he said, I'll tell you what I want, but first let me tell you something. He's like, I've been here for 17 years, and, and uh, we have, we've started 45 churches. We have 5,000 Christians in our churches. He said, every month, and we have 300 orphans that they, they you know, get take out of sex trafficking things off the street. He says, every month, just to pay the bills, I got to call people and beg people for money. And he said, he said, I, want, I have a dream of being self-sufficient. And, um, and I said, okay, well, tell me about that dream. He said, well, first I got to tell you about another dream. I said, okay, tell me about this dream. He said, one day I was out, I had a vision that I was out at the river fishing and I was catching fish. And uh, there were too many fish, I couldn't catch them. And all of a sudden I looked and three white people were with me helping me catch fish. And we just, we tripped, we, we were just quadrupling our effort. We were all catching fish. And um, so God told him, one day, three white people are going to come here. They're going to help you. That was 15 years before we came. When he asked me to come, I didn't even know who was going to go with me. He saw us come off the plane, and it's three white people. And his wife had even told him, uh, you know, surely God didn't really mean white people. There's no white people around here. <laughs> And sure enough, we drove for hundreds of miles, and I never saw another white person there. I said, well, what, tell me what your dream is. He said, Pastor, I have, God has given me a vision of a buffalo farm. I said, like, what, what kind of buffalo? And, he, you know, and I found out water buffalo. These water buffalo, it's, it's a very precious commodity over there. They, they give milk, right? And he's like, I want to, he said, if I can start a buffalo farm and we raise buffalo, we can sell the milk. And we can make enough to pay for all of our all of our ministry. And so this was ten years ago. So I'm there, and God said, Terry, if if you if you, I brought you here, if you will help him, in ten years y'all can have them self sufficient. And I'm thinking, I, I just like my first thing. I'm thinking is this is going to take a lot of money. Like this, that's the first thing. That's going to take a lot of money. Well, so. Uh, 10 years ago, we bought, them, we bought them 25 buffalo. Today, they have 288 buffalo. Today, they sell more than 9,000 gallons of milk a month. They, they sell $24,000 worth of American dollars worth of milk a month. And I mean, there's, some, there's a lot of overhead as well, you know, but, but that's how much they sell. And in, in six months, they'll, they'll, they're going to add 35 more buffalo because they can't give milk because they're three years old. So it's going to go up to 15,000 gallons. During the, so in the last 10 years, we bought them a land to grow food for all their orphanages on. We bought, we've bought them land uh, for, their, for their orphanage to build buildings on. Uh, we, bought them a bu- we actually bought them the buffalo farm. They have their own buffalo farm. And, uh, and quite honestly, in the last, in the last uh, 10 years, our church has given them $700,000. $700,000. And, uh, and our church hasn't given all of that. It's given the majority of that. And I, I was thinking today, in the last 10 years since we partnered with them, they had 45 churches. Now they have 307 churches. In 10 years, we, we have started 262 churches in India and Nepal. And now they, today their churches have 60,000 people. 55,000 people have gotten saved. When you do the math, 
When you do the math, 700,000 divided by 55,000 that got saved, that's $12.72 a soul. $12 and, I mean, think about how, come on, y'all are fixing to spend more than that just when you leave here to go lunch, right? But think, think, think about it. As much as the, the United States gives to worldwide missions, you could win the whole world if you could do it for $12.72 a soul. It's pretty phenomenal. And, um, but it, it, gets, it gets crazier than that. He came back. He, he started coming back, and he's like, hey, pastor, I, we want to change. You know, you're, you're my pastor. He calls me as pastor. Um, I want to be under your ministry. Will you allow us to change our name to Family Life? And I told him, no, I won't. And uh, because I didn't, want, I, I didn't want him to feel obligated, we're helping him to help him. So finally last year, I gave him the, uh, the, gave him the deal. And so we now have 307 family life churches, you know, in, in, in India and Nepal. And I, I want to, <clears throat> I told that story for a reason. And the story is this. We don't, we don't understand we, when we go to a church, we look at how many, we count how many people are there. So when you come to family life, you say you come to our church and you count, you're counting and you say, okay, there's however many people there. But what you don't know is that there's 55,000 people in Indian Nepal that got saved because of a divine appointment we had and because we got involved. And then there's other things too. So I, what I want to say is when God looks, when God look at, looks at Foundations Church, he's not just counting how many people you, you have here. He's counting how many people y'all influence outside of this building, how many missionaries you support, how many churches you start. See, our, our, our numbers on Sunday morning are not the numbers that equate to eternity. And I, I just want to, sh to share that with you because sometimes we think, we think that, well, big churches, they're doing all these things. Listen, I, I, there's some churches in Houston that have 5,000, 10,000 people. They give zero to missions. They minister, they minister to 5,000 people. We're ministering to 60,000. So, so think, I just, you know, sometimes in America we have this mentality that bigger is better. And smaller isn't better, bigger isn't better. Uh, doing the kingdom work is better. And so I just want to encourage you with that, you know? I mean, and I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to fill this place up and get land. Yes, he does want you to do that. But our goal has to be on how it's not, what I'm saying is you don't just influence what's here right now, you influence other things as well. So here's the next point. Divine appointments are always in proportion to your faith. Divine appointments are always in proportion to your faith. So here's the deal. If you have small dreams, your divine appointments are going to be small. If you have big dreams, you can work your way up. Your divine appointments will, will, get, will get bigger and bigger and more important. And uh, my point is, is this, is that if you, some people aren't even interested in divine appointments. You know, they're, 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 they're too much of a problem. They're too much of a hassle. I got my own things, and, and uh, I meet pastors all the time. Because where we're working in India, a lot of people are trying to get there to that point, but they can't meet the right, the right person. And so when they, they tell me something like, oh, I wish I'd have met him, I'd have done that. 
And, and I think, and I say, would you have? Would you have? And I wouldn't share this at my church, but I'll share it here because I'm going to leave today. <laughs> Listen, Tracy and I personally, we've written $10,000 checks to that ministry. It, 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 there's been a sacrifice. It's not just our church. There's people in my church that have written a $100,000 check to India. But I, I told Tracy, no, we're in this. There's nowhere else we can give our money. And, and it, was a personal, it was a personal sacrifice. So when God puts these, these divine appointments in your path, they're going to cost you something. Maybe they're a little bit inconvenient. Maybe you've got to take your time. Maybe you've got to go out of your way to really do something. But that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to get involved in the lives of people. That's what Christianity uh, is about. I want to close with this one story. And, you know, I was thinking about this. Pastor Joseph was actually in town two weeks ago, and so we were talking. And have you ever prayed for something years and years ago and you forgot that you had prayed for it? And then something happens and it just comes back? And so I had a thought last week. I thought of a prayer that I used to make. I started praying when I was a youth pastor in family life over here. Uh, across town, and uh, I, I said, man, I used to pray this prayer every day, and I prayed it for the four years I was there, and I prayed it when I st first started Family Life, and then I just quit praying it because it's, I almost felt like, you know, that prayer's done. I've given it to God for six years. It's just, it's, it's done. It's good, and I realized last week, I said, I never even told Tracy that I prayed this, and I tell her everything, and so um, I said, did I ever tell you this? She said, no, I didn't, so one of the things, when I went to Family Life, I was youth pastor, and they, and they had a pretty big campus, so during the week, I would just go get lost somewhere where no one could find me in, in a dark room or something. I would just pray. I just learned how to pray. And one of the prayers that God put on my heart, and I don't know why he put on my heart, but I say, Lord, I just pray that, that during my life that you would help me to influence one million people for Jesus Christ. That sounds, I never told anyone because you sound crazy. One million people. That's crazy. One person can't reach one million people. But I said, through me and through a family. And I prayed that adamantly all the time. And I, I was just thinking the other day when Joseph was here, I was thinking about, you know, everything uh, that, that I've been able to uh, be involved with through our church, through different missions things and, and uh you know, several years, about 12 years ago, Franklin Graham, he, they, they, were, they needed money to build a boat for, uh, for, for um, Bolivia. It's, it was called the Ruth Bell. And it was a big medical boat that traveled up and down the Amazon basin right around Bolivia. And, they, and they, they had medical doctors. And so they cared for all these indigenous people that were dying of just ridiculous things on the Amazon basin. And then they would share the gospel. And they said, hey, this boat will... will will reach 10,000 people for Jesus a year. 10,000 people. This is a long time ago, a long time ago. And the boat cost $75,000 to rebuild. And, and so our, our church, Family Life, we, we gave $50,000 of that. And, um, and I was just thinking, it's been 12 years, so that boat has reached more than 120,000 people today. Okay, then I'm thinking about so that's 120,000 people. Then I was thinking our goal in India and Nepal is in the next three to five years, we, want to, we have 307 churches. We want to plant 193 more. We want to get to 500. 
And when we get to 500, the pastors who we've supported in planted churches, uh, they have one thing they have to do to reciprocate our help is they all each have to plant one more. So Pastor Joe says, if we, when we get to 1,000 churches, and I believe that will happen in my lifetime, we will have more than 200,000 people. And then the thing just keeps turning over and turning over. And so my, 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 my whole purpose in, in this is that, you know, when we dream big, God wants, he's looking for people who will dream big things for him. Because there's divine appointments. There's people all over the world that need help. And my, my, my whole point is, uh, you know, it's, my, my whole point is, 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 is not that I'm something great or anything. Actually, I think I'm pretty insignificant. But the one thing is I have a heart to do something for God. And because I believe I've been consistent with that, God has aligned me with people that have that has challenged my faith. And I just, I just want to say, you know, everyone in this room, uh, you have divine appointments waiting for you. This church was started out of a divine appointment. This church has a divine appointment to reach hundreds of people in this community and around the world. This church has a divine appointment to plant churches around the world. This church has a divine appointment to see people saved and set free and filled with the Holy Spirit. And every day when we leave here, every day, uh, there are people that you come across at work. There are people you come across in your neighborhoods. And, and the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. Hey, just, just go ask them. Just, just go start up a conversation. Ask them if you can pray for them. But what I'm saying is when God directs us in these divine appointments, when we obey and open the door, it releases God's supernatural power in our lives. And things, see, I have a lot of conversations where I can't make people, I can't win them to my side. I can't win them to Jesus. There's like a barrier. When the Holy Spirit opens a divine appointment, what he's saying is that heart is ready. That heart is prepared. I've been arranging and working on uh, the, this situation. And so I just, I just want to close with prayer. And uh, would you stand with me today and I have the worship leader come up, and and um, I just I just I just wanted to encourage you today. I just just want to encourage you because we have thousands and thousands of people in our local area that need Jesus. We have people we come into contact with that need that need Jesus, and I I think sometimes the biggest problem is you know God uses people. God uses us. We don't have to be special. We don't have to be eloquent in speech. We don't have to be the most educated. All we have to do is be willing. You know, God, look at God's, look at Jesus' disciples. He used fishermen. He uses zealots. He used, he used people uh, that weren't educated to, to minister to thousands of people, yet they did. They did. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we pray today. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, for your spirit just to be here. God, I pray right now you're just ministering to hearts here. God, you're touching hearts right now. And Lord, I thank you because everyone in this room, everyone in this room is one divine appointment away from winning someone to the Lord, is one divine appointment away from releasing a miracle in the physical realm. 
Everyone here is one divine appointment away, Lord God, to expanding the kingdom of God. Lord, help us to realize that we have been blessed. We are saved. And so really at some point, it can't be just about us. It has to be about reaching the next generation. It has to be expanding the kingdom of God in different parts of the world. And so God, I just pray. I pray today that everyone here today is going to become more sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I, Lord, I pray that this year, in 2020, many people would, be, would, would give their lives, Lord, just through divine appointments that you're setting up for the people in this room. Lord, I pray for the larger divine appointment you have for Foundations Church. God, I pray that you're blessing this church. God, I pray that you're releasing, you're releasing land in Jesus' name. God, I just pray in Jesus' name that you're releasing, you're anointing upon this church, you're drawing people to this church, and you're establishing this church in the community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. Let's give Terry a hand. Lord. There's a, there's a theme throughout his, his whole um, message and everything, that, and I've been blessed to know him for a long time as we get ready to close. You know, he, he started the church 20 years ago. He told you a story about the last decade, which is, is profound. Is that, I didn't even know all that. I knew some of it, but praise God. But see, he had to obey and surrender in year one and continue it in year two and the difficulty in year three and year four and year five. And in 10 years of faithfulness, then God said, okay, you've been faithful in little. Here comes more. And then you were faithful in that. And here comes more. That is the way we see the supernatural. And then when we, when we see 10, 20 years, there's 100,000. There's these churches. There's this. There's that. You're, you're dealing with huge numbers. Amen. Come on, that's what we're going to believe for. Let's pray for that for Terry and Tracy and family life and your life, your life, um, as we continue to surrender and be faithful. Let's surrender to him right now as we close. Father, we surrender to you. Lord, we surrender. Terry and Tracy surrendered, and we see the fruit 20 years later. There was difficulty. There was hard times. But, Lord, we thank you for a surrendered life. And I thank you that the fruit over the next 20 years would be greater than the previous. Lord, not only in them, but in their children. And, Lord, then as they start the next generation with their children, with these people in India and all the other ones, Lord, it would begin to double and triple because the generation of Christians are growing, Father. So we thank you for that. Now with us, God. Lord, we surrender right now, and we'll do it in year one and year two and year three, believing and trusting that you have divine appointments and great things for us. Increase our faith as you did with the, as the disciples prayed, and you're doing it with us. Thank you for it, Lord. We surrender joyously, and we thank you that you're going to use us to do great things. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Now let's praise him. And thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great day.